0: since part one of the Q&A, and to be fair to myself, I did start to record a part two, and I thought, you know what would be really nice, if I sit down with a beautiful 19-year-old single malt Islay Scotch whisky, heavily peated but lovely and sweet, with a taste of almonds and apples, beautiful thought it'd be nice and relaxed and make quite good listening. It didn't. <laughs> so, I've erased all that and we're, we're back here again, re-recording. So, just before I do that, before I get into the questions, I just want to ask everyone a huge favour. As you know, on the 15th of August, next month, in a couple of weeks' time, I am staying with the Black Monk of Pontifracts on my own, all night, known as the world's most violent poltergeist. And I'm doing this to raise money for IDAS, a domestic abuse charity. So if you could go to just in forward slash 30 East Drive and just share that link on your social media, even if you can't donate or even if you donate 50p, whatever you can afford is great. But if you can't even do that, I understand it's a cost of living crisis. Not everyone's got money, but please... Share it on your socials with your cat, a pigeon that's going past. Anyone, just share it. Get it out there. Um, on my TikTok, which I'll put the link to as well, I've done a couple of videos to promote it. Some people are visual. And maybe if they see my ugly face, it'll scare them into donating. Who knows? But um, it'd be really, you know, it's, it's an analogy. I'm doing it because I'm going in with this big, horrible, kind of negative force, and I'm locked in. And it's something that you could potentially feel powerless against. But I'm not powerless. We aren't powerless. And that's kind of the point as well. There are people that have messaged me from all over the world have been really flattered. And, and it's so lovely to get your messages of support who have left domestic abuse situations. And, you know, I keep saying to everyone, you're the, you're the brave people, not me for doing this. I leave in the morning but you got out of that situation after years sometimes of abuse, there are those that are still in that situation now that it might inspire them, who knows? And also there are perpetrators of abuse, and IDAS also works with them because abusers have normally been through certain issues within their own life which makes them how they are, and because of that, you can unwire that and get help, and respect to those people that do, go and do that. You know, I've got to take my hat off to them as well. But this is for all those victims of abuse. Um, you know, you're the strong, amazing people. It's it's a pandemic at the moment of abuse. It's it's just rising. The cost of living crisis is amplifying this issue in our society. And this amazing charity does so much. So please just share that link and get, the, get it out there. And let's try and raise some money. I've also got to, although it's like over £300 now, which isn't that much really. £200 out of that has to go onto the cost of hiring the room. I put £100 on my own money first, um, but to hire the house, it, you have to pay per, for the night. So that has got to come out of it. So it's only just leaving just over £100. Thank you to everyone that has donated, and I deeply appreciate it. So um, uh, I've got some news and stuff, which is quite funny, um, but I'll leave that till the questions. Obviously, I know what a lot of the questions are. Um, and then I've got some anonymous questions at the end, which I'm going to go through. Goodness knows what they're going to be like, but let's just, uh, let's just get on with it and drop the, uh, the Q&A. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. So the first question is from you, yes, you listening right now, which is what on earth was that? Well, Google are testing this new kind of program, um, the trial in it, and I went on, signed up to be this AI test for different art forms, and that was you basically put in words and then Google creates something and gives it back to you, and I asked it to create some really spooky music about a ghost that lives in a really creepy haunted house, and that's what it came back with. No, me neither. A lot of musicians are really worried about this kind of idea of AI creating music, but I don't I don't think we have anything to uh, worry about yet, if that's the biggest tech company in the world, and that's how advanced it is. Plus, music has to have soul, doesn't it? And can AI have soul? I mean, that's a massive question but no one's asked, so I'm not going to answer it, but... Yeah, it'd just be like jacob reese mogg making music it'd just be this empty void of darkness maybe no hey i'd be better than that so the first question is from lisa u6941 are you one of the nine well my answer to you is this lisa if you spent 30 seconds in my presence you wouldn't even be asking this question that's for sure Definitely not I assume by the nine That you're talking about One of the nine mystical teachers On the planet That teaches spirituality To other people um, That's part of The Christian Rosicrucians uh, Believed in it Um, The Jewish Kabbalah um, Has has this idea And understanding And what's really interesting Is it's in different cultures as well So the Chinese um, Is it Taoism As well believed in that That idea um What's interesting in Japan though nine, just as a little side fact, means it's similar to the their word for ouch, so therefore it's uh, seen as a negative and um like a unlucky a word. But yeah, it's um this strange kind of mystical thing in a lot of pagan ideas as well. Nine has this this idea, but it's just interesting. Before you know, cultures were working together amongst each other. They had this idea of nine nine teachers. But I couldn't even think who those people are, like, in modern times. Is there anyone that is so good and pure that they've become well-known for their teachings? Yeah, it'd be hard to find any, wouldn't it? Maybe they've been destroyed, which is why society is collapsing. But at the same time, that's a myth as well, because actually we're in the safest, least crime-ridden times in any part of history, as far as we know. So maybe the nine are no longer needed, who knows? But um, they're definitely not me. Honestly, if, if you met me, you wouldn't even consider that. I'm an absolute idiot, to be honest. I, j- I just mumble on and people listen. That's about that's about as far as it goes. But thank you. So this question is from Emma Jane 160676. Are angels real? I'm going to do a bit of a cop-out again, Emma, Um and say it depends how you define angels, doesn't it? So, if you see an angel as the biblical idea of an angel or the original kind of idea of an angel, um, angel I think means messenger. So, messenger from heaven is is what the the name comes from. So, it's in in pre-Abrahamic religion times, angels were those that brought messages from the planets to help the seasons change and things like that so people used to believe in them there were messages that would cause the um, seasons to change and the tides to move and all those type of things the things that they saw changing throughout the year they would see that as a, an angelic kind of message and and whether that is nature itself that you know you define it in the science of nature as an angelic message to each other there's that potential the Abrahamic religions obviously see angels as um, direct kind of heavenly order beings. But if you believe that, you also have to believe in the fallen angels, you know, demonic entities as well. That's that's the difficult place to go to sometimes in, in that kind of idea and belief. But then you've also got guardian angels, haven't you? So people have had... I don't know if any of you heard Jim Harrell's Campfire. It's an amazing show where people ring and leave their stories. And on there, many a time, you know, people have spoken about kind of angelic visions where someone's interacted with them and supported them. So I, a couple that stick in my mind, um, there was a woman said she was running into the room and she fell forward and would have gone head first through a glass table, but some hands physically pushed her and pushed her upright. And um, there was no one there. But also there are, um, another woman was was driving on the motorway or freeway for our American listeners and someone was shouting, move over. And she thought it was a radio and didn't really pay attention. And then it said, move over, move o- over lane. And she was like looking around wondering if she's going mad. And in the end it screamed and went, move over now. And she moved over into the lane just as she did. Something fell off a lorry, went bouncing on the road and would have hit a car and killed her had she not done so. I've also seen documentaries of people that have had um, one, again, that sticks in my mind, was someone, you know, crashed off a bridge into a river and they couldn't get out of the car. Um, and this figure dressed in white came, opened the door, undid the seatbelt and got them out. And they turned around, say thank you, and they'd gone. But you could see every distance and there was no one there. So, you know, there's those type of angelic beings as well. But then you you guardian angels. But then, you know, again, from especially in Asian religions, we look at guardian angels in terms of relatives of ours that are still with us. So, you know, our ancest- ancestors are seen as angelic beings in guiding us in our life. And we are meant to look out for messages or feel what's there. Do I believe they're real? It, it really depends on how, how we define that. I do believe we get messages in the universe all the time um and if if you know angels are a messenger then then that's in fact i was i was talking to uh, my friend tash today about an example of this candy and i last year were walking along along the road and i just got a real urge that we need to go that something bad was going to happen and um and and she you know knowing what i'm like and it's not something i I normally do but you know when you get a sense you, you do go with it don't you so we moved and we got out of there and and, and on that road and that space there was a car crash n- not long after you know was that an angelic message telling me to get out of there um potentially you know so it depends how you view that a, me- a message from the universe that's beneficial i guess is in in by the very nature of the uh, etymology of the word is is angelic i guess so in that sense i definitely believe in it cuz i've experienced it firsthand I also do believe in the ancestral guardian angels. A couple of years ago, I was in um I was I was dealing with something really difficult, and I remember I was crying one day and I just I, I called out to my granddad and and you know was like speaking to him ancestrally and saying, Please give me guidance, please give me help. And the, the room lit up. There was it wasn't in the shape of a person but it was around that height, and it was just a light. Like, when I say light, I don't mean like a torchlight. I mean it was just like this glowing figure, but not in the shape of a person, but around the same height as a block, kind of just moving about my room, and you know. And maybe it was the, the stress that I was under that made me see that. But for, for me, feeling I'm not someone that hallucinates, even when I've had a drink or, um, you know, it, I, I did feel that I did see that I even took a photo but um I think it was on my old phone which got stolen sadly but um there was definitely a glowing light on the picture so I do I do believe in certain angelic beings whether it's messages or that our ancestors can be called upon and whether our ancestors are in ourselves anyway is another discussion isn't it probably another question so that was a total cop-out of um an answer but um it is an answer nonetheless <laughs> but thank you so much for your question this next question comes from my brother oliver so oliver copper who's just put an ep out so go and check that out on uh, spotify um apple music and everywhere else you get your music from i'll put a link in the bio for that as well he asked do i think that crop circles are real or fake it depends on the crop circle some of them are definitely fake and man-made in fact there was a, a group of blokes who admitted that they used to meet down the pub come up with ideas and then go and execute them however there are some real differences between that and the other type of crop circles the genuine type um when i say genuine type the type that are unexplained let's put it that way the the actual crop itself is woven like braided together and um it there was one example where a mist kind of came over the field which apparently is a common theme where there was cctv and when the mist lifted you know an hour or so later there was this elaborate crop circle there and one physicist worked out that it would take you know um like probably about a thousand people to do it within that time but then because of diminishing returns, so people getting in each other's ways and everything, it would actually be impossible in the time spent because not only was it flattened down and measured out in this perfect kind of symmetry, but like I said, all the crops were actually interwoven together. So it was impossible to do in the time limit. Now, what's also interesting about this is the um, some of the other effects within these crop circles themselves. So people report things like going in and suddenly feeling sick, or um, high recording high levels of electromagnetic frequencies so there's nothing outside the circles they go into the design and suddenly the electromagnetic frequencies are through the roof things like mobile phones working outside of the circle and going in the crop circles and they just don't work at all really interesting phenomena um, if you are wanting to know a bit more about this then Astonishing Legends do an amazing one on that definitely worth checking out and listening to it's it's fascinating. So what, I guess if I believe then there are these unexplained uh, phenomena, then I've got to try and give you an answer. There's no evidence that it's aliens, although lights and everything are often seen around them. But is this, you know, um, sort of t- to do with the air pressures and electromagnetic frequencies that could be creating the light? Equally, it could be some sort of fungus, underground is i'm going to give that one as an explanation we know that they can form quite elaborate patterns underground and will change behaviors according to the sites and everything they're amazing maybe this is a fungal type of thing in the soil that then interacts with the plants which makes them weave together who knows i mean there is no rational explanation to science as we know it at the moment so that idea is as good as any Don't see why people automatically assume it's aliens. There's no evidence to actually say that other than it's a nice pattern. Um, What is it? I don't know. But they definitely do occur. And, uh, yeah, fascinating. But I don't, yeah. So the answer is, yes, I think they are real. What they are, I don't know what they are or what causes them. So the next two uh, make me feel a little awkward. Don't do well with compliments. But um, I'll answer them together. This one's from Sandra. And she says... What is it about your voice that makes me want to listen to it all day? Um, I would say that people that know me um, would would find you nuts. Most of the time people tell me to shut up after a while. So, um, yeah, maybe you're my dream dream lady. Who knows, you know? Um, But this is why I do podcasts and lectures, because no one can tell me to shut up. I just carry on waffling on. So the next one's from user 947866227815. Copper, you are kind, funny, intelligent, and one of the most beautiful people I've met. Are you dating again? I think before I get overexcited, I need to be clear that this person's probably only met Fred West and King Jong Un before they met me. So um, the pool is is quite small. So maybe I'll open it up and meet more people. Um, oh, thank you. It's a very sweet compliment. Um, yeah. So um, there's part of my news. I, I did. I, I went on on a on a dating show. I went on first dates on Channel 4, and it was absolute disaster. I'm not going to tell you exactly what happened, because it'll ruin it, but you definitely have to watch it. It'll be on after Christmas, and it does have elements of the paranormal on it, and uh, it didn't go well. Let's put it that way. It didn't go well. But, it, you know, in terms of, like, 40 and paranormal, is there anything more paranormal than... Love and finding like a match. There's there's no logical, you know, rational explanation. Scientists have tried, you even using pheromones, interests, and all these different personality traits of what a person's into, what they don't like, blah blah blah, to set them up with their ideal partner, and it still doesn't work. And yet, there is just something, isn't there? Like this, this kind of magic occurs that you don't know why that just occurs and works on some sort of level and and sometimes there's some like serendipitous strange occurrences of the universe working some magic as well you know putting people together at a certain point in time like they might have been in that same circle for uh you know years and years and years and never actually spoke to each other and then one day when the moment's right for both of them the universe you know makes something happen or yeah it's it's just bizarre how it works and happens am i dating so I, I, i'm not really into dating i i just want you know I let let stuff happen i'm i'm at the moment i'm just finding me again and um i think i mentioned on the last one i'm in that place of real comfortable transition at the moment where i i feel happy where i am um and enjoying time on my own and feel happy to leave things in the past and move forward. Um, and then if some someone comes my way, we'll explore that. But otherwise, we'll just keep on hunting for uh, dead witches in caves. If anyone's seen some of my latest TikToks, that was fun. But um, yeah, that's where I am. But yeah, thank you for the lovely compliment. So my next question is from Janice. Um, First of all, Janice, thank you so much for your lovely, kind messages. They really meant a lot. Um, I really appreciate it. And, yeah, so your question is, why are closets sometimes so freaking freaky? We have experiences in a 100-year-old home frequently and are mostly used to them. The hallway seems to be particularly conduit, but I will not open a certain bedroom closet door after dark unless it's absolutely necessary. The last time I did, I heard an impatient huff of breath and felt as though I invaded someone's space. I quickly mumbled an apology, shut the door without getting what I intended, and left the entire room rather rapidly, as I definitely felt like I've been intrusive. This has been discussed on other podcasts, mostly most frequently Astonishing Legends, but no theory explanation is given. Just curious if you or your listeners have any insights. And Janice was writing from Illinois. I have, um, I have been to Illinois, but only just to the airport once. And that was it. Definitely need to go there one day. This is a, a really interesting question. And, yeah, we call them wardrobes on this side of the pond. And it's the same, but, but why and where does it come from? I guess, in some aspects, the, you know, the wardrobe or the closet is almost a liminal space. With the other areas in the house, you either transition by moving through them or you exist within them by spending time there but the wardrobe is a space within your space that you don't do that it's got a separate kind of purpose isn't it you you don't transition unless you're going to Narnia through through wardrobe into anywhere else or a closet anywhere else Um, and you also don't spend a lot of time there you don't live within that space it's almost like a separate space within your space that is therefore then different to the concept of the rest of the house if that makes sense so within that meaning and context it's a place for storing things and if anywhere was going to hide even subconsciously you you would potentially think of it in in that space wouldn't you so maybe maybe that's why and, and what it is but then then you have to ask, is, is there some sort of things that then do spend time there because of that? Or does our thoughts and feelings then become a reality due to a separate consciousness interacting with our consciousness and our views of that? So I guess as well, there's the whole thing of, you know, in terms of your childhood, I think, where a lot of this comes from, if we're looking at it psychologically, your bedroom door, if your door creaks open or something, you would think, you'd probably be able to talk that away by it being wind, air pressure, your parents checking on you and things like that. But if your wardrobe door, closet door does it, then you're almost, there's no explanation. So therefore your mind may play on it a bit more. Um, but it is interesting, isn't it? That, that's my explanation for it anyway as to why they they tend to be more haunted. They're also dark, aren't they? They're also places like, again, most of the house, if you're in that space, there's light. You're either during the day or you, um, you you put a light on while you're within that space. But with a closet, it's in darkness even during the day because, again, it's that. It's a space within a space. There's no windows normally. It's a dark space. And... Also, the, the you know, you don't often turn the light on unless you're going in. So again, it's often bathed in darkness. So again, subconsciously, your views of it is a, is a dark place, a creepy place. So like I say, whether that is actually that why certain things like that space or why, whether your consciousness interacts with the perception of there being something in that tall percent then creates it, who knows? But... That's my view. Um, But yeah, if any listeners do have any other ideas for Janice, please uh, please let me know and I'll read them out. Drop drop us an email. Great question. This next one's from Ian, who asks, (laughs) has anyone ever put the willies up you? Now, for our listeners overseas, this is an English expression, which means someone made you feel uncomfortable or spooky. But also, a willy is a um, slang term for penis, so it does have a double meaning, which is what Ian's getting here. People have definitely creeped me out, Ian. Um, yeah. (laughs) Equal to that one is from Mark. Um, Would you rather get caught by the ghosties or by the ghoulies? And again, for our foreign listeners, ghoulies is a nickname for the male genitalia. Um... Definitely rather get caught by the goosies. Ghosties. Goosies? Maybe that's ghosts, um geese. Who knows? They, they did become a, a bit of a theme. Um, so Sophia asked and then answered her own question. Why did the ghosts go into the bar for the booze? I mean, yeah. <laughs> so the next question comes from the lovely Daniel... I know Daniel lives in a haunted house himself and we're going to have to meet up one day and talk about that. Um, how old are you when you had your first encounter with a ghost or anything supernatural? I think I, I spoke about that on the last show. So if you go and listen back to that um, on the first Q&A one, I won't go back into it again because people will be bored. Um, are you scared of ghosts is, is the next question he asks. Well, again, it, it depends how you define ghosts. Um, I think if I saw... Anything residual, I, I get quite excited. It's um, it's not scary. They can't interact or anything like that. Um, it's just something like a film playing in the room or outside or wherever you see it, which is fascinating. Um, am I scared of the poltergeist stuff? Uh, again, it's it's a bit of a question that would be like asking are you scared of people? You know, on the whole, no but that doesn't mean that you're not going to come across a person that just gives you the creeps or makes you feel uncomfortable in some certain way. And I think a lot of the paranormal activity is like that. It's got these certain personality traits, whereas, you know, some are quite playful on the whole and they're quite a pleasure to witness and be around, where others you just walk in a house and instantly get a feeling of negativity and darkness and... um I honestly don't know. I've been asking myself. I'm doing this thing with the Black Monk. Um, what what will I do if, say, he operates in front of me or does something really horrific? Um, and I've said I'm going to stay in locked in all night on my own. You know what? How am I going to respond to that? And I, I am asking myself in that moment. On the whole, um, my my um, my team will tell you that often I'll be the one to go and walk towards something that's occurring. Um, with no fear, because I just find it interesting and fascinating and want to try and understand it and come up with hypotheses for the explanation of their reality, of whatever they are. Um, But yeah, if if I was against something really negative, which I have been, I guess, then I think I would be scared. You know, I, I wouldn't find that the same as those that are more of the kind of fun trickster side of things so yeah really good question which famous historical person would you want to spend the day with well daniel i think that'll be emma goldman who was like a um, political activist and a really fascinating person and came up with these amazing quotes i think she was born in something like 1885 um she was a like a jewish um feminist anarchist and be just fascinating to talk to her i think I'd love to spend a day with her and pick her brains. This next one comes from Tasha. Uh, My daughter would like to know if you believe in poltergeists and how they have the ability to move physical things, objects. So first of all, massive shout out to Tasha's daughter. Hope you're well and thank you for your question. Brilliant question. Definitely believe in poltergeists. I think what causes the activity is up for debate. I have, you know, been in places where we've seen things move. I grew up in a house with poltergeist activity frequently. Um, there's poltergeist activity in this house, and um, it's it's something we that's the thing we get called most in with um, Yorkshire Coast Paranormal um, is if if there's you know issues in terms of poltergeist activity in the home of what they want resolving more than apparitions or anything like that over the years. It, that's been the most common factor, and it can be really scary. Um, although I find it hugely entertaining. Uh, we've even seen things on command so you know one time we asked them to move move an object and it moved with such force it was a ball off the floor like directly on the floor nothing touching it up to the ceiling so hard it knocked the ceiling tile off this was had multiple witnesses another time probably the most extraordinary was a, a bunk bed and we put someone on top of the bed and we said could you move the bed and the um the legs lifted and and it did move maybe an inch or so now the strength to move that is is quite incredible so but the the whole you know what causes it i think is the biggest debate um you can only hypothesize at the moment i don't think there's any tests to to prove it um just to say as well there was actually a peer reviewed study a couple of years ago um where they went in what they called a purported haunted house and they studied the movement they they eliminated all other factors of um the ability to to move things in a controlled experiment and um things still still the measured movement they've also created poltergeist activity in a lab just to see what would happen and you can see videos of that and it's really and as we talk about poltergeists things like that happens let me just go and kind of investigate what that was so, I'm back. Um, that, that was a battery from the other side of the room, um, which has also terrified the cat, who's now run upstairs. But this is exactly what I'm saying. Um, what, well, no, it isn't. It's what I was about to say, um, in terms of what I believe poltergeist is. Um, the the fact that we're talking about it, it then interacts, kind of, you know, aligns with with what I'm talking about. So the whole idea of a poltergeist to me in the western world people think it's the dead they think the dead come and move things and they're giving messages there might be some I think I I believe like up to about 10 days after after death there seems to be some evidence of something lingering um, but in terms of you know poltergeist they either seem to attach to one person or just stay in one house and you can have people move out Um, not tell the other people anything, even in, like, a new build. So there isn't that idea of, like, you know, this old house must have a ghost in it and it's haunted. It could be a new build that was only built 20 years ago that no-one's died in, and it still has political activity through whoever moves in, you know, without any idea being put in the head. And, um, you know, why that is, I don't know, but I do believe that, you know, as... I apologise to old listeners... He's heard me talk about this all the time, but my my hypothesis is if you break everything down into quanta, we we all are the same. Everything is made out of exactly the same thing. From the stars where it originated, to us as human beings, to your mobile phone, to the air, everything is, is down to this, this kind of base level and then built up into different compounds, elements, you know, chemicals, structures, all these different things as you work away way up. I think it's very narcissistic of humanity to believe that they are the only things with this consciousness. And what seems to be quite evident is there is a separate consciousness far superior to ours that almost treat us like a joke. Um, and that's why we have to be really careful. And But this consciousness maybe can interact. It's not attached to a physical form and therefore it can then interact with other objects potentially by using energy borrowing energy or it's got its own energy who knows um and that's what i believe it is i don't know if that's made made much sense but um yeah poltergeist i find really entertaining and fascinating i'd love to study it and understand it more and what's amazing with the poltergeist as well is how it bends the rules So one scientist started measuring poltergeist activity, which he believed emanated from this one man, and it was in a factory, and things were always being thrown. And every single one he measured, Um, he created a map, which measured the arc emanating from this person. And as soon as he wrote that down, and it became a rule, the rule changed, and the poltergeist activity changed. And again, I believe it's a personal thing as well, some polar guys activity does occur to multiple people, but it seems to be quite an individualist thing for you to then take something from it and change your ideas. I believe it's to make you see that this reality is nothing but a perception, a construct, and to as long as you can ground yourself and look beyond that, then you are able to then grow spiritually in terms of seeing yourself as bigger than just this form that you are and your perception and, you know, start growing into the universe and trying to understand why we're here, what's our purpose, what's our learning. That's, that's me trying to sum up what I normally i have done lectures on for over an hour. Um, so I hope that makes sense. I've tried to keep it as short as possible otherwise I will just waffle on for about four hours but amazing question so Sophia asks um I don't know. Sophia says my mum asks what do you believe ghosts are such as are they photographic replay of an awful situation or are they spirits that just can't move on or something else so again it, it, how, how do you define ghosts first of all so I assume you're talking about your your kind of apparition that you see normally either translucent or like mist in solid form that appears in a house. There's one in Buckingham Palace that was see, that's seen by staff and the Queen um, it. I imagine the King has, if he spent plenty of time there. So there's one of people that, who consider, you know, to be, you know, reliable witnesses and have been seen, you know, Queen Victoria saw the same spirit and different people saw the same one. My favourite one that I always use as an example is the um, the Lady of Gainsborough Old Hall. And Gainsborough's kind of in between uh, Lincoln and Scunthorpe. And um, basically, again, it's seen for centuries, is this lady in a Tudor dress, and she, walks. she just appears, walks down the hallway, corridor, and then turns right, and she used to walk through the wall. This happened so much so that they actually knocked a hole where she walked through the wall and found an old Tudor doorway. So... What This is obviously something from history repeating itself over and over again. doesn't necessarily have to be um, a big event, a tragic event. It could sometimes just be an event that's just replaying. I think Anne Boleyn is constantly seen walking to be beheaded, isn't she, at the uh, Towers of London. That's another really famous one. And I think something you really have to consider is English heritage don't knock Holstein Wall on a whim. You know, this is um, these were 100 years old walls that they, they're there to preserve and protect. But they decided to look to see if something was older because of this residual ghost, which is what I call a ghost, is these residual kind of figures that appear throughout history and time. And I think the other factor to consider with this as well is they're not intelligent, they don't interact, they don't seem part of our time at all. It is almost like a film replaying. And if I built a new wall somewhere else on that corridor, she would just continue to walk through it if it wasn't there so it's um those type of things are really interesting one one in Scarborough that I really love was the um the uh, one in the, the Futurist theater, which has sadly been demolished um, and I spoke to a number of witnesses who worked there um, who had seen this firsthand and they would walk in into the uh, theater and they would see. A woman falling from the top balcony and screaming, hit the floor, and then they'd run there thinking someone had genuinely fallen and there was no one there. And this, this again, had been going on for decades, and I think someone actually traced it back to the, a person that actually passed away um, by doing that. And a few members of staff, you know, quit on the spot. The cleaner, famously, wouldn't go back Um she, she was just too terrified after witnessing it. And other people just got used to it, but visitors saw it. You know, people that didn't know the story saw it, which is what makes these things so more compelling. You know, another one um, that I did actually speak about on Jim Harrell's Campfire. My uncle was driving in Coventry when he was, I think, 18, being out to the cinema or something, driving back, car full of five people altogether. They came to the junction... Uh, a roundabout, and um, this girl walked into the road. They hit her, and she. Um, but they couldn't find her body anywhere. He came home, at, you know. After searching, they went to uh, they called the Police. This is when you would ring your local station, and um, the police officer said, "Obviously, we'll send someone out to look." But was it at this junction by this by the hole in the fence? Blah blah blah. And they said yes. And they said, "Well, a, a girl had died there." Um, a couple of years ago and this just keeps occurring but they'll send someone out to look for it but I wouldn't worry too much that was the official police line at that time so these things are really interesting you know that they keep occurring and keep replaying Um, the the other biggest again um, kind of sightings of ghosts are, are often people before they're about to die or just after they've died which again is slightly different so you know there's reports of say relatives in Australia um, they're on their deathbed, and then people in England will will see them, but they haven't passed away yet, or they'll see them at the point they have passed away um, my friend um, my friend debbie she told a story of when um, when she was a, a little girl, she went to bed, and at about nine o'clock her mum walked in and sat on her bed and she just thought it was really odd because she just sat there staring at her, looking at her. Um, didn't say anything to her or anything, she was just looking, but she didn't think much of it and then went back to sleep. And in the morning she found out her mum had died about half eight, so this was just after. Um, and, in you know, my own, my own story of this was uh, after my brother passed away. Um, I was in bed one morning and I looked up and... You know, it was a bright summer's day. I was wide awake. I did even pinch myself and he was stood at the end of the bed but wasn't like a ghostly outline or anything. He was solid. This was about four days after he passed away. Absolutely solid. Just stood smiling at the end of the bed. I kind of like put my head under the covers like what's going on Um, and when a lot back, he'd gone. And then what makes this really interesting is I um, I rang my granddad that afternoon and kind of plucked up the courage to tell him and um, and he said, you know, thank you for telling me because I thought I was going a bit mad. Um, he, he had he used to have his lunch and then he'd sit and read and then have a little nap. And he said um, he woke up because someone was pulling his glasses off his face. And when he looked up, my brother was stood, like, laughing and then vanished. And then my mum, the same day, had an experience where she was in the kitchen and turned round. And saw so my brother stood there, who then vanished, all three of us, without communicating, had had, you know, the same experience on that day and then nothing else afterwards. So, of course, you know, you could look at the psychology, of the mind and grief, um, but it was interesting. I mean, if you knew my granddad, my granddad wasn't one to uh, come up with tales of fantasy at all. He um, he would tell you exactly what he thought. If, if I hadn't told him that, he would have gone, oh, you're, you're bloody mud or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Um, if he hadn't had the same experience, so... Although he did have one, he had his own um, ghost experience once that he always told. He said he doesn't believe in it at all, apart from once he was um, he was on on guard near Arnhem, and uh, the troops were sleeping in a in a church in World War Two, and him and someone else were outside, and this man ran into the graveyard, and they they said stop or we'll shoot. He kept going. He hid behind a gravestone, and they told him, you know. Come out or we'll have to open fire. Um, he didn't come out. They said again, you know, this is your last chance, come out or open fire. Um and then the third time, he was just dressed as a what they describe as like a poor a poor kind of bloke, not a soldier or anything like that. But they had to open fire. They blasted this gravestone to bits and of course he just wasn't there. So that's his one experience other than, than my brother. So they're kind of like the most seen apparitions, uh, ghosts, as as you call it. Um, I think if you speak to the rest of my team who do believe in dead spirits lingering and things, they they would say that there are um, ghosts that are trapped that don't know, you know, the dead that are trapped that don't know the dead or they can't move on or, or things like that. And they sometimes do that type of work, um, which is interesting, isn't it? Especially when it relates to something, something else. Again, someone I know got into this type of thing because they bought a house in Sorden, which is, um, I think, nine miles out of Scarborough, ten miles out of Scarborough. Very rural, medieval old um, village. And um, her children start talking to a little girl who um, down in the basement. And um, they got a name um, and all sorts of things off her. And when they actually then went back and looked, looked in history, not the previous owners, but the previous owners before that had um, a little girl who died in the house who matched the name exactly. So, you know, there are those things that linger, but is that, are you picking up on residual energy? Are children kind of, you know, linking that, all that information in the Akasic record, you know, what is it? Who knows? Um, but yeah, a lot of my team definitely do believe in, in the dead. And past lives, and as we can't prove either, um, then uh, we just have to keep debating philosophically on this, don't we? It's interesting because they they believe that they they talk to the spirits and move them on, and get them into the light, or um, that they do that type of spirit work, whereas I believe it's about eliminating con- consent. Um, from whatever separate consciousness is in that house, I, I also, I you know, really do believe with poltergeist activity. To go back to the previous question, that if you start believing it is something, that it will start being that and take form, and people will see it. I always use the example of a giant badger. I don't know why, but if you told everyone a giant badger haunts this place, people start seeing a giant badger, um, and, and it seems to link it to that consciousness. And I think if you dug deep into that little girl and her story. Um, there would be truths and there'll be mistruths in there because they they play tricks and they pretend to be something. And again, this is why I'm really careful and don't believe anything that these, whatever these things are, um, because they will give you lots of information. There's almost a rule that they have to give you some misinformation as well. But I think the paths that they lead you down are never positive. We're we're insignificant to them and they're playing with us. Um, That's why I don't, I think you've got to be careful if you see yourself as having a gift, that you don't open yourself up to feeling that you're special and interacting and giving consent to these things too much i get a lot of messages about being careful but i'm probably too careful i um i really try and disattach myself as although i interact with these things and um i investigate it i'm very closed off i don't i don't think i'm particularly special whatsoever um or i don't believe i have a gift i believe i've got um adhd with which comes with as most neurodiversity, extra sensory perceptions quite a lot of the time, my sense of smell, taste, hearing is heightened and, and maybe other, you know. Again, you, some of you might have heard the interview I did in the States about neurodiversity and the paranormal and my hypothesis, especially with the mediums that I know that I do think have some gift of whatever that is, how they get that information. Um, I think the most of them are autistic and I think there's children have this perception, then lose it in adolescence, but sometimes the autistic brain maintains it. And um, we've, we've got sensory processing disorder, which is can be positive and can be negative. But within that, you know, there's certain sounds I can be sat there literally in pain and, and put my hands on my ears. And everyone else is sat there just taken in absolutely fine, not even noticing it. So, you know, our senses are attuned to a different frequency, let's put it that way, and maybe that's why we see and hear some things that doesn't mean i'm special special needs maybe, <laughs> but um it, it's it's just that we you know have different abilities, you know, like some people can i't do know lift lift something way heavier than the body should allow them just because of their different structure um compared to their you know muscle mass, for example, I think. Some people are just tuned into sensory processing slightly differently. Probably offended loads of people now who um tell people they've got a gift and everything, haven't they? I suppose it's how how you see it. If you see your ability as a gift, then it is, but I just very wary about considering yourself special because if you're special you get chosen. And um as I say, if you if you read Hungry Ghosts by um John Fisher then you'll see the journey that these things kind of take you on. I like know Pamela, who had on the show, will say that's because they were interacting with lower frequency and lower energy beings. And um, she believes that there are higher frequency beings who are positive and maybe more angelic. Um, so there's there's a different take on it as well. I'm just giving you my views and, and fears. And as I say, <laughs> you you can take them and, and consider it for yourself or completely think they're... Uh, they're nonsense. They're only hypotheses and I'm happily listening to other people's take on things as well. This next question is from Pumpkin Cat. Pumpkin, although I said I would answer everything, that is not appropriate. Next. David asks, is a ghost the same as a poltergeist? I think, yeah, I've answered this a lot in the, uh, the previous question. Um, I think... If you believe it is, it will start acting like that. Um, and people sometimes define ghosts as poltergeists. I think the the real answer to this question is is to look at history. So poltergeist activity is is a, attributed to different entities throughout history. So in, in famous in in North America, the coyote is the trickster god, and that's what the poltergeist is in this country and scandinavia um before kind of victorian times when the whole dead idea came into fruition a lot of the time it was attributed to fairies and pixies and elves and boggarts and boggles and all these type of things um so it's not always been rooted in in the dead and the sometimes short-term poltergeist activity has been attributed to the dead so sometimes People have thought that a relative was trying to give a message or make themselves known by moving things, um, but it's quite a it's quite a recent and very Western idea that the poltergeist is, um, you know, the, the the dead. In in Japan, it can be raccoons and foxes that are causing the activity. So, yeah, I don't I don't necessarily believe it's the same as a ghost, although some of it could be. The same with all paranormal things. The lines blur, and whenever you make a rule, it changes anyway. The next question is from Nikki, who asks, um, why don't we see a black people ghost? The ones I know are always white. This is a a really interesting question. Um, And first thing to say is they definitely do exist. I think we're we're coming from like an Anglo um, perspective, and I imagine if we go to an African nation, then... Most of the ghosts, if not all, will that they see, a residual will will be black. Um, be interesting to find out. I think there are a number of factors why, in Anglo history, um, a lot of the ghosts and ghost stories that are told are of white people. Um, I think it's it's not just white people though. There's there's other prejudice. I think there's a, a massive class bias as well. So I think most ghosts that we that we know and hear about are from the upper classes are from historical people that come from a place of privilege and their stories get to be told where if you you know because they're in manor houses and things like that actually if we go to a manor house um a lot of them are haunted by they seem to be haunted aren't they a lot of manor houses despite maybe only two generations of family live there um in in great luxury and wealth and it just seems a bit bizarre that you know, those are the famous ghost stories compared to, say, a council house where, you know, maybe generations of people have lived there in, in great poverty and all those negative things that come with that. Um, but their stories don't get told and celebrated compared to the upper classes. So there's not just a, an ethnic kind of division in ghost stories. We have covered black ghost stories on on this show, Um there was one I covered about a, um, a a person that was locked up in a USA jail um, and then they the, the came and lynched him and he's still, it's a museum now, and he's still seen in the cell looking out. Um, and even there are, um, you know, really sadly, there, there are um, trees in the States where lynchings occurred and, and people have seen bodies, residual bodies, On those trees, um, there's some really famous ones. So the hanging tree, I think, I can't remember what state it's in, but that's a really famous one where this residual um, kind of apparitions keep occurring. So yeah, they they definitely do exist. um, And I think there's a bit of bias in how we celebrate that. I think the other factor as well is most residual kind of spirits are often seen as a mist, a white mist. And you know, if the majority of people in the country are white, and they're they'll be viewing the mist as with bias, I guess, and recognise themselves within it. When actually, they you know, if if you look a bit more deeply at the facial features, they might not necessarily be be of the kind of Caucasian ethnicity. But yeah, they really, you know, I, I guess if we go to Japan, the you know we we know after the tsunami of. When people kept seeing ghosts, and they were all Japanese people, so there is that that bias in terms of the land as to what it is and why. And just you know, if we think about the who who occupied this country, um, we we've got you know if I talk about that um, that Tudor ghost that I spoke about earlier on, obviously the, the amount of black people in that in this country at that time was is very very low. Um, so that just on statistical outcomes i guess the residual goes from that period and before and onwards till till kind of more modern times um just the likelihood is more likely to be kind of a caucasian person because that's who occupied this country really interesting question though i think it will change i think in a hundred years we'll we'll see loads of different residual ghosts black asian you know white, um all sorts i mean we even see sometimes residual ghosts of um Animals, don't we? Dogs, cats, all sorts of things. So really interesting question though. Um, it was, yeah, fascinating to think about the answer to that one. Thank you. Got a few um, from Robert. They're not questions, but he's, he's posted it and I said I'll read everything out. So um, I've seen a UFO with five other people in the 90s. I have a few books on the subject and I believe in ghosts. I also saw a UFO with a mate back in the 60s. I've always believed we are not the only beings on the planet. Um, there must be other lives... On other planets as the universe is so vast, I watch a lot about UFOs and the supernatural on TV yeah it's a really um it's a really fascinating subject isn't it Robert I agree I think you know the universe is as far as we were aware infinite um, and you know who, who knows what else is out there I think if, if you even look at the mathematics it's highly likely that there is other um Aliens, I suppose they are to us, aren't they? Even if that's single cell life forms or, you know, humanoids, as we seem to think, um, because we, we base them on ourselves or even just a separate consciousness. Maybe that's what poltergeist are. are an alien consciousness that didn't need a body. They evolved beyond a form. But yeah, it's um, it is amazing when you see a UFO, isn't it? It does make you kind of have to stop and think further than just the parameters of our existence, which is actually quite healthy, I think. I think humans are very narcissistic and um, I think that's some of the pushback actually about UFOs is if they are interdimensional if they are from another planet then they're superior to us and I think a lot of people don't like to think of that we like to think of ourselves as the most important things in the universe don't we and um, I think as soon as you think like that you're automatically not straight away. Emily asks, do you think you would make a good ghosty James? I can't, I'd, I'd be annoying, wouldn't I? I'd, I'd just be constantly playing tricks and pranks and uh, annoying people. And there'd be um, just the sound of flatulence, I think, constantly in the air. Um, whether that makes a good ghost or a, a rather one that you wouldn't want in your house, that's, that's a different matter. I'll let you decide. So I got a... Um, A lovely passive-aggressive one from Mark that says, uh, Ghosts don't exist. It's scientifically proven. James, sorry to burst your bubble, mate. Well, Mark, what I'd say is, um, if it's scientifically proven that they don't exist, how can you scientifically prove the absence of reality? Since reality is perception anyway, so you can't scientifically prove that they don't exist. And as I stated earlier in the show... Um, there, there is scientific evidence of poltergeist activity now where this comes from that's the debate i i get that and if you haven't experienced anything it breaks the laws of physics and you don't understand but i think we've got to take a step back you know i've been in a room with eight social workers who've witnessed something now okay there is you know there is things where people talk to each other and interpret things and start gaining the the same ideas you know throughout throughout history that's definitely occurred in psychology that's definitely proven but you know when we've all sat and witnessed something apparate and drop from a ceiling for example that's enough to go to court and have someone put away for life for murder i think even in mesopotamian times there were recordings of people seeing ghosts in inverted commas whatever you think they are all the way throughout history different tribes different nations different countries you know Every single culture has a history of this stuff. And most of it, I'm a paranormal investigator. My my job is to go in and trying to find the activity and try and find out what is paranormal, which is what is unexplained and what is, you know, um, can be explained by rational reasoning. And 99.9% we can explain away, but the 0.1% still exists. And, I think it's rather arrogant even when, you know, quantum physicists like Charles Reicher, who, who won the Nobel Prize for science, has had paranormal experiences. And when they said to him, you know, it's impossible, he didn't say it was possible. He said it happened. So, you know, I think but where, where I come in is to try and find the reasons for that. Now, you are perfectly entitled to believe that ghosts don't exist. That's absolutely fine. I personally you know don't care if you believe it or not um i don't care whether you think what i do is ridiculous or not i do it for myself i enjoy researching it and i'm open minded to the possibility that they exist or don't exist um and we might find an answer one day I, I won't debate whether the activity exists because it it definitely does um if you want to call billions of people over centuries either insane or liars, or hallucinating. I, I'm not willing to do that. Um, I think again, if only one percent of all those billions and billions of people that have had experiences is paranormal, then you know, let's 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 look into that and see what it is. That's where I am. But thank you for your question, anyway. Cliff wrote, um, "I saw a ghost years ago in an old manor house. Three, three of us went to see who it was." but she had gone for the closed area she ought to. That's amazing, Cliff. Um, yeah, message me and let me know where it was and, and what she looked like. be fascinated to know. Maybe I'll know a bit more of the story. If you um, let me know where it is, I can tell you a bit more about it. Neil has written, I think the American UFO whistleblower is another false flag operation to try and scare Russia and China into thinking the US has futuristic weapons. I have a problem with that, Neil. Just simply, simply for the fact that the <clears throat> excuse me, the USA is stating officially that it doesn't know what they are, and um, so therefore, it, it, yeah, on that level, it doesn't work. Um, the the USA, as, as far as we know, um, has the most advanced technology on the planet. I think followed by China at the moment, um, and. They're saying that whatever this is, is beyond 10 years more advanced. So even if, you know, China, Russia was only slightly more advanced than the USA, it's not going to be that far advanced technologically. You know, maybe a year or two behind or in front is normally how it works, isn't it? So these things are beyond our current understanding of physics even, to let alone be able to... um, you know create it and and manipulate and fly it not all of them of course we're not talking about everything um a lot of it will be military um but but some of the you know the other sightings that we've seen um they're way beyond our you know current level of technology even you know we've we've got reports of like them opening up into portals and vanishing again these tiny ones um and the way that they move if there was a a biological body in there it would be completely destroyed or our understanding of biology on earth so are they actually flown by consciousness as well i mean really interesting but you know as well there could be i mean it's not like the um it's not unlike sorry the usa to you know put out Propaganda using UFOs in the past, but that was with its own public. Who knows? I mean, there could be another story behind it. Um, I think, I personally think the USA are making themselves look very vulnerable by saying we don't know what this is and is it a threat. But since then, Japan's opened up its own investigation and Israel has, haven't they? Israel have stated that there are things that they don't know about. Iran accused some of the UFOs as being... American, but then it was far too advanced for current technology as far as we know and that's where we've got to always put it as far as we know I think if there were that fast advancements in aerospace as well by humans then the the ability to use it for aviation, um, public aviation and reduced costs would already be there as well wouldn't it? I think we would have already seen it these things have been going for a long time. They reckon it's about 10 years as well from technology to be used by the military before it becomes commercial um, and commercial opportunities open up, open up. And these things have been going on for a lot longer than that. So who knows? Who knows? Maybe we'll never know. Or maybe we already do. So these last questions are ones that are sent um, <coughs> excuse me, via an anonymous app. So I've not opened these yet. So I'm going to do it live. Um let's see where we are, here we are. How many have we got? Oh, quite a few. Um so, what is your favourite book? So my favourite book is actually nothing to do with Fortune actually. It's um it's uh, Musashi by Aiji Yoshikawa, if I've pronounced that correctly. It's just got everything. It's a big book. It's thick, but it's um it's got adventure, spiritualism. Um, action, romanticism, history. It's all there. It's just a brilliant book. Um, And although it's really thick, I couldn't put it down and read it just in a couple of weeks. Absolutely amazing book. I loved it. Someone else has put, is everything okay? I'm worried about you. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm uh, exploring things, which is positive. Spending a lot of time on my own in nature and, um, you know, just kind of like doing... Moving but meditating at the same time, but that's healthy. That's good. Someone else has just put, "I miss you," or well, "get in touch." Um, then, then you don't need to. A simple resolution to a problem. So there you go. So let's look at the next one. Oof, this, this is a, this is a controversial one. What do you think about COVID? Obviously, it depends whether you think you're talking about. The conspiracies, whether you're talking about the vaccine, whether you're talking about lockdown, whether you're talking about the, um, the virus itself, um, it's a difficult one to answer with all the conspiracies because one of my issues with some of the conspiracies is that they um, were carrying on certain tropes um, and conspiracies from the Middle Ages that were anti-Semitic that were just rehashed to fit modern events. So I'm always wary of those in the first place anyway because they're the same ones that have been going on for for centuries um in terms of the virus and um, you know i i don't i don't feel i have enough this is where i stand i think people at the moment are too black and white in terms of you have to fit on this side of the fence or that side of the fence and there's there's no nuance there's no kind of like understanding and changing in understanding and people don't even accept when they their conspiracy or their belief system was was wrong. It's almost forgotten and moved on to the next. I an argument with someone years ago about whether it was 5G or not. And I said, well, let's find out. Let's find a country that has 5G and let's find countries that don't have 5G and then compare the rates of COVID in those countries. Because if the ones that don't have 5G don't have hardly any COVID, then it's 5G. That's It's a provable scientific experiment, isn't it? Looking at hard data. And what was interesting is their response to this was to get angry and they weren't willing to look at it because people become so attached to their ideas and understand. And that's the same on both sides, both sides of the, you know, towing the government line to towing the conspiracy line. There's no nuance. And, you know, I have respect for people that kind of go, do you know what, that's what this is saying, that's what that's saying. I'm going to, you know, work out myself and potentially even wait My my ideas on it remain movable all the time. Um, I think there were things that were conspiracies that weren't actually conspiracies, turned out to be completely true, such as, you know, it was very interesting how many um, people in government in their portfolio of shares had um, big shares or bought shares just before um, in the companies that were making the vaccine massive conflict of interests and you know and sadly while people were talking about some of the conspiracies that didn't actually exist or occur and since being proven false the rea- the real ones that turned out to be correct and no one really cared about no one followed the money did they so i think that's always an issue as well but yeah i think it's it was an interesting time in terms of being doing youth work as well where you've got a bunch of young people that didn't socialise psychologically. The, the teenage brain is meant to be away from parents and taking risks with other teenagers, um, to, which helps form certain synapses. I think it's going to be really interesting in, you know, ten years' time when those teenagers turn to adults to see what occurs in terms of the brain pruning and the the new pathways formed or lack thereof, and what that effect has on on that. So those type of things are going to be really interesting. Um, I'm far more interested in that than picking a side to argue with the the other, con- you know, the conspiracy sides. To be honest, um, I, I've got my own beliefs that, but they're constantly movable depending on how much more information I have. I, I believe in the nuances and dancing side by side. I think that's a massive issue in society at the moment, where people can't sit down and discuss things because it's either no I'm right or no I'm right and actually elements of everything might be correct and elements might be wrong and we should be sitting down and trying to persuade each other into ways of thinking rather than saying each other's wrong that's my belief on it all anyway that definitely didn't answer your question so the next one says ain't no MF way I'll be honest I I don't know what you mean I mean I know what MF means not MF doom the legend, but um, I don't know what what you're asking me, so uh, I can't really answer that. Maybe, maybe there's there's a way. Maybe there isn't. Favorite show right now. Mm. So yeah, th- there hasn't been anything at the moment that's really blown me away. I start watching. Is it Succession? And the first series is really good, but then it kind of started the same narrative over and over again. And it's it's just got a bit a bit dull in comparison to what it used to be. I think the most the one that I love most recently is Vikings. That's the last thing that really like blew me away. For every season, consistently was amazing. I loved that show. Um, yeah, really enjoyed it. I think as well because I do have heritage Viking heritage in my DNA. Um, so I had that kind of like mental link there. But it's just a brilliant written, written show. And I love historical dramas. But yeah, if anyone's got any recommendations of something that's amazing, obviously I've seen Breaking Bad and all those. Um, but I've been trying to watch so much and nothing's blown me away. But if you've got any recommendations that is something that's just so mind-blowingly good that you need to see it, then do get in touch and let me know. So the next one. Would you ever, ever have another child I, I always say never say never. So I've got you know I've got my kids. Love them to bits. I'm at that stage in my life where I've got a bit of freedom again now. So I I don't particularly want one. But then if I met someone and that's their dream and I fell in love with them and wanted to be part of their life and existence then that would be something I would discuss I guess. But as as right now at this moment I don't want any more kids. But who knows? We'll let the future decide on that one. The question is, should be, do you want another um, ADHD madhead like me running around the earth? I mean, that's, that seems to be what I produce. <laughs> Next question. Biggest red flags for a girl? Um, interesting question. I think, I have to be honest, I don't think the red flags have a gender I think they're the same for everyone. I think the biggest issue and the biggest danger in any relationship is narcissism. You know, narcissists uh, will be very manipulative, charismatic at first. They'll love bomb you and um, and normally then just completely mould and malign you to to their needs rather than... So you just feel completely isolated but are almost indoctrinated into their, them as a belief system almost. So... I think that's uh, a massive issue. So, yeah, narcissists are a, a massive turn-off. Not into narcissists. I don't know what are the red flags. I think someone who um, has issues but is not willing to work on them um, or doesn't notice them. So everyone has difficulties and problems and mental health issues, don't we? And, and we, we deal with them and we work on ourselves and do that. But if someone's not willing, they're wanting to be saved by someone else, then that's, that's not possible either. Jealousy. I don't really do jealousy. You know, if, if I'm very much the type of person, if I'm with you, I'm with you. Um, and nothing can sway me from that. You know, I'm hundred percent trustworthy and I expect to be treated like that. And I think that's, if someone doesn't treat me like that, that's a red flag. Um, because I'll treat them exactly the same. You know, if you, if you break that trust, then we're over, but if well we're together, you know, you've just got to trust that person 100%. And if you don't, then you shouldn't be with them. So, yeah, interesting question. Um, hard to think of them all on the spot. But, yeah, they're kind of, like, probably my my key ones. We've got two more. What did you dream about last night? I, I don't remember my dreams ever. Um, it's really rare that I, I, I remember my dreams. But I did have... It's weird that I'm asked this on on one of the days where I did remember my dream, and um, I was I was out near the beach with a friend of mine called Richie, who we used to work with. It was not seen in years and years, actually. It's weirdly, and he says, it's interesting how certain people pop up pop up in your dreams. And we were walking along, and there was um, I think someone threw a stone at the cliff or something, and it created like a load of rocks to fall off, and one of them hit him on his head, and he was really badly injured. And um, it was obviously a really horrible um, dream and we were just trying to help him and trying to get help and then I woke up, very distressing. I don't know where it came from and what it means. I did consider getting in touch with him, um, seeing if he was all right, but then I thought that was a bit weird. <laughs> so the last one, how old do you want to be when you get married? I don't know, I Don't you know... Depends on on what marriage means to you and the other person at that time, and whether that's whether there's point in that, or whether that's something that is has a lot of value to that, and you want to commit yourself to your life to that person as a gift to each other. I don't know, and but it's hard to then put a um an age on that. I certainly don't have any ambition to get married by a certain age. Again, do you know what I mean? It's it's not there. It's not something that's important to me. Um, I, I like life to be a bit more free and more kind of naturally evolved from that than putting certain plans at certain parts of your life that have to be achieved or not because then you failed, haven't you, if you haven't which is just a bizarre concept to live by so a bit similar to the child question if it's something that's really important to my partner then that becomes important to me um, but if not then I don't feel the need to do this thing that society says is important regardless of logic and that is it if if you have sent me a question and i've forgotten to answer it then do do get in touch and let me know and i apologize i did last time i know that but um yeah that that's all of them i'm going to try and work on a proper show um next month I haven't had time this month um just yeah chaos but we will get there and um thank you so much for listening do get in touch do tune in i'll be on tiktok on the uh, 15th of august with the black monk and um live streaming so if you want to come and watch and uh you know keep me company throughout the night that'll be really lovely just send messages so i can interact and got someone to chat to um but it should be an interesting entertaining night regardless and as i say it's for a good cause um yep 14newspodcast at gmail.com um we're on twitter facebook instagram all those type of things thank you for everyone that's sending questions um much love to all and i'm going to leave you with a poem i actually wrote about domestic abuse for those of you that are local i have got a residential that i get to once every month at craft bar where myself graham rose captain ants and um, a number of other people come down and we, we read poetry and we invite everyone to come down and listen or read their own, which many people do. Um, so, yeah, be great to see people down there if you like it, um, but if not, don't worry. Um, so this is called No Anchor and I'll leave you with that and say goodnight to everyone. Thank you so much for listening and, as always, much love to you all. They pluck you Oh, so searching for love Like a plump berry bursting with hope. Ripened with the prosperity of life's ambition. Destiny a boat to search in life's ocean. Then he makes you the anchor. Submerged in a cold darkness wedged. Amongst silt, hard rocks and silent solitude. He has pushed you down and pushed you drown another criticism added upon anchor's chain's links destiny's the boat and he made you the anchor laying on an ocean bed devoid of dreams searching for penetrating light you may rise only for his hands to drown you once again a sea of loveless misery you may eternally unrest on destiny's boat you should be a figurehead. The beauty beacon attached to destiny's bow, guiding life, facing forward, carving the waves with all who sail by, beholding your marvel as I exalt you as a magical divine, a Venus. If destiny is the boat, let the past be your anchor, Unburden past sins and drop anchor overboard. Bathe in love's light, refreshed by sea spray. Each droplet caresses your carved features in praise. Adored and unbridled with life's lust embraced.